My guest today on Mission Impact is Carolyn Moselle. Mission Impact is the podcast for progressive nonprofit leaders who want to build a better world without becoming a martyr to the cause. I'm Carol Hamilton, your podcast host and nonprofit strategic planning consultant. On this podcast, we explore how to make your organization more effective and innovative. We dig into how to build organizational cultures where your work in the world is aligned with how you work together as staff, board members, and volunteers. And all of this for the purpose of greater mission impact. During our conversation, Carolyn and I talk about why everyone in the organization needs to consider what their sphere of influence is and think about how they can contribute to making it better. Why it's so important to share back the results of any survey or assessment with people that participate in them and then act on that information. And why it's important to know what is critical for your self-care so that you can manage the energy that you bring to work and your colleagues. Before we jump into the conversation, I wanted to let you know about something new I'm doing. I'm hosting the Nonprofit Leadership Roundtable every couple months, and I've done a couple so far. During the roundtable, you get to talk with your peers, share an opportunity or challenge you're having at work, and get some peer coaching on the topic. The roundtable is free, and I host it on Zoom. The next one will be Thursday, April 28th, 2022, and you can register on the Eventbrite website. We'll post a link from the Mission Impact website, and it would be great to see you there. Well, welcome, Carolyn. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. Great to be here. So I'd like to start um, with a question around what drew you to the work that you're doing? What, what motivates you and what would you describe as your why? Well, you know, having served in local city government for decades, and I and I when I say decades, it just sounds like something my parents would say, but yes, decades. <laughs> um, I saw like so many problems that were caused by uh, a toxic workplace, and the the impact that it had on employees, the leaders, um, and even the customers, and then it made it very clear to me that. When your workplace is sick, your employees are sick. And it's a vicious cycle that leads to like an unhealthy, unstable and unproductive work environment for everyone. So I started solving this problem through my own leadership because I felt like it doesn't have to be this way. I, I have no desire to lead in a way that promotes or fosters an unhealthy environment. And I started just being, as I grew in leadership, started being more intentional about my interactions with people um, that, that were, you know, basically led to me um, consistently leading with empathy, compassion, integrity, and accountability, though. And that helped to inspire um, a, a work environment where people felt seen and heard and valued you know, all those things that us as humans like to feel. And at the same time, you know, created an environment where the organization, um, and in, in this case, the agency, city agency was productive. So, you know, I understood, began to understand that it's, it was a win-win for everyone and even the constituents. You know, now that the workforce is happy, you know, when they're out, we're, um, um, interacting with the community, you know, we get, we would always get a lot of good feedback about like our people were nice and, and professional and, and polite 
and you know got the work done. So I began to really understand that it didn't have to be the other way. You know that you can lead um, with compassion, you can lead uh, with empathy, but you know, and then they have to be a model of integrity because otherwise your employees won't trust you. Um, and they'll, they won't do it. They will, won't do as you say, they'll do as they see. Um, and then, you know, that, but I always, always, you know, was very clear about, we are here for the business purpose because we are all here in a job to work to, for an outcome. Um, but so that was my way of having some compassionate accountability with people, just, you know, being there for them, but under, how, having them to understand that, um, you need it to also get the work done. So now I work with um, leaders um, in municipalities and nonprofit organizations um, who want to break that vicious cycle uh, that leads to like an unhealthy, unstable, unproductive work environment. Yeah, and I, I so appreciate the, the your statement around you know when the workplace is sick, then you know it, it infects everyone else. Everyone else is sick too, and um, and I I love the ter the turn of phrase of compassionate accountability because it really brings both sides, right? It's kind of a yin yang yes. of um, but we need both. Um, yes. And yeah, so your your work now, you're really working with leaders to try to foster those productive and, and healthy work cultures. And, and I think it's everything, it's, it's something that everyone wants, mm -hmm. but a lot of people just don't know how they can contribute, how, you know, how they can make a change. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I really appreciate your story in that, you know, you're in a big agency, you could, could kind of look around and say, well, what can I do? But you decided, no, I have a sphere of influence. There are things, there are ways that I can be, there are ways that I can show up for my team and then the people that I'm working with. So, so how, when you're working with leaders, what are some steps that you kind of help them see that, that they can start doing to cultivate that healthier uh, work environment? Well, first, I, I really, um, I, I always say that I consult and then I coach kind of interactively because at first you need to understand, um, you, you have to make sure that you are willing to uncover your blind spots that may be leading to this environment and be willing to um, have the blind spots exposed of, you know, of people that maybe you have a higher regard for, et cetera, that you know, the blind spots are being uncovered are going to eventually lead to that healthy workforce. So, you know, be willing to get data to uncover blind spots. That's the first thing I always do is to have a, either um, an insight survey um, or assessments, um, behavioral or, or um, emotional intelligence assessments to go in and just kind of understand where people are so that we know where we're starting and get some baseline data. And then using that information to align it with um, your goals. Uh, and, and the most important thing is you know, involving people who are directly impacted in that process and in, in whatever the, the recommendations will be uh, in the process so that you're not faced with a, a, a situation where when you're done, people are like, you know, 
I don't agree with that, or I'm not doing that, or, you know, and I found that like having a representative, so to speak, of all levels of the organization helps to give that insight more, um, a more well-rounded insight so that, uh, you know, even if like, you know, of course, 100% of the people are not going to agree all of the time, but um, at least you will get the representation from all of the levels of your organization to make sure that you are incorporating those diverse voices. And so then after that, then it's time to, I always say you got, you got to apply the results timely. You know, there's nothing worse than going through getting people to answer surveys or getting people to take assessments and, and then um, you know, having meetings and then not doing anything with the information. Uh, you know, that's the same as like, you know, having, we talked about having a work uh, committee or a task force and, you know, you just sit the, the document on the shelf. And so I always encourage leaders to, you know, keep the communication consistent and um, reliable because humans, again, we all like reliability. You know, and it's the same as businesses. Businesses like reliability, and you know, and humans like reliability. So, you know, having people to know that you know they're going to hear about the survey update or the next steps on Fridays from their leadership, you know, is what I try to encourage them to do to establish some level of consistent communication. And in some, in one case, you know, they would do it at their Monday staff meeting. Um, but just having, you know, keeping people engaged and let them, letting them know that the process um, is resulting in some action and action that will be timely. Yeah, I really appreciate. Um, it's so important that when you ask people to take their time to contribute their thoughts and, mm -hmm. and answer a survey or do anything like that, that, that you do complete that circle and that, um, you know, you know, a group of people looks at it, kind of synthesizes it, but that synthesis then goes out back out to the folks who, who originally were asked the question mm -hmm. so that they mm -hmm. can, can see that they were heard. And, and yeah, that's, that's so important. So um, can you say a little bit about the, cause you also do some executive coaching with mm -hmm. leaders. Um, can you say a little bit more about what that is and, and how you work with clients in that situation? Yeah, so um, the, the clients that I've been working with so far are either in like a, a in government um, or a smaller nonprofit. And what I have, they have been mid to senior level uh, executives and they are, you know, they, they are at a point in their career where they want to understand how to gain influence, to expand um, in their leadership. And so what I do, I help them with understanding how to interact better to gain that influence. And using, again, um, like uh, in, in improving their emotional intelligence and using DISC assessments to help them understand how to, how they, how they are communicating and if they're if they're communicating what they intend to communicate or is are people hearing um, differently than what they are trying to say. And, you know, and I, I learned that um, through my leadership process that 
that was really important in gaining influence is you know, I always used to say, say what you mean and uh, mean what you say. And, but you gotta be careful of what you're saying, it, you know? And, and so it's a whole, it's a whole self-awareness piece as well as understanding how to communicate with different types of people. Yeah, sometimes those truisms are true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So when folks are trying, you talked about self-awareness, you talked Mm -hmm. about being aware of, um, you know, how you're communicating with folks, you Mm -hmm. know, is what you're intending to say matching up with how people are hearing it. Um, What are some other ways that leaders can can start to be more intentional about growing their influence? Well, they can be. Be careful and intentional about the energy that you are bringing into a conversation, Um, the energy that you are bringing into a room, the energy that you're bringing into a meeting. And, you know, it's always, um, I always say you can't change the, the reaction of the other person. But you can always, you know, always um, uh, control how you respond um, to that other person. And so I always make sure that they are intentional about responding and not reacting and understanding what that means for them. And, you know, if you know that um, John, you know, every quarter is going to trigger you for some you know, because of what he's going to say or do in a meeting, then you, you know, prepare yourself for that because you can't necessarily control John. Um, you can only control him to a certain extent. You know, if you're directly, lead, um, his, your, if he's your direct report, then, you know, there's always that coaching conversation about, you know, the appropriateness of what he's doing, if there's anything inappropriate. But, John is his own personality. So, you know, you, he, John just may communicate in a way that's different from how you communicate. But as a leader, you should just be, you need to be aware of that so that you can get the most productive output from John, all while making sure that he feels seen, heard, and valued. So, you know, it's a, it's, it all works so interchangeably, interchangeably together. And, you know, having, having um, empathetic leadership can be exhausting as well. <laughs> so I always encourage leaders to make sure that they're taking care of themselves and that they are understanding uh, what their balance means. You know, I, I always hear a lot of people say, oh, there's no such thing as balance, but we all have like our own personal balance. There's no one definition for what balance means for you or for me or, you know, anyone else. Everyone has their own um, version of what balance means to them by whatever priorities they have in their life. So I always make sure that leaders um, um, take care, they have a routine to take care of themselves, whether it's meditation, whether it's, you know, getting a good night's sleep whether it's you know time blocking for your calendar to make sure you are incorporating um, priorities that are gonna make your life feel like you are living as well as you know having a professional life because I know like when I worked in City Hall, it just like felt like 
my like it could be 24 hours you know that because in a city there was always something going on and so you just felt all absorbed in all of that so i had to understand how to take care of myself so that i can go in and lead the people that i had to um lead in in a productive way and show up with energy and show up you know with my best version of myself to encourage them to bring their best version of themselves yeah all of those things and and you know ideally you get you can meditate and go to get a good night's sleep and get some exercise yeah. and have some time blocking and, yes, and do yes. all those things to create those guardrails that really mm-hmm. help you stay centered so that you can, you know, show up with empathy for people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, but it takes a lot of practice. And, and then I think also uh, for me, um, you know, obviously we all want to be more, you know, we're, we're aspiring to be mm-hmm. less reactive, more proactive, mm-hmm. Um, and then things catch us up, right? And, and we get triggered. And so mm-hmm. how do you recover from that and uh, repair what might've happened? Well, you know, first, I, I, as always, it goes back around to just being aware of those things about yourself and, you know, repairing those things, again, different for everyone. Repairing could be that you are, that you need to, um, you know, turn off your email at a certain time, or that you need to, you know, you know, schedule looking at your email at a certain time. It depends on what your circumstances are, but, you know, recovering are some of those things that you mentioned, you know, exercising. Um, I worked for a mayor who, that was her recovery, exercising. We took exercising out of her schedule one, one time because of just a conflict and it was a horrible afternoon <laughs> for everyone she could so not that, show up as her best self right she could not show up as her best self I, I tease about that all the time I'm like I told her her executive assistant at the time please do not ever take exercise out of her schedule because she was just a bear the rest of the day And, you know, so, but that made me really understand that, you know, being a leader is exhausting because you are trying to solve a lot of different problems and still like have a life of your own. So you do have to have things in place to recover, like, you know, like it's an exercise, taking a walk, getting fresh air, you know, being, um, going out in nature. And I learned over the summer, I've been very, um, intentional about just trying different things over the last year and a half. Um, and, I, and I came across a, a, a coach who talked about grounding yourself and going and standing on like in the grass or in cement with no shoes on and how that just like does something to the body and makes you feel refreshed. And I said, let me try that. So over the summer, I did that. It was awesome. I went out and stood on the, um, I have a patio and I went and just stood there. Um, you know, the neighbors probably didn't understand what was happening. I'm standing there, my bare feet in, in the middle of the patio, not look, really looking at anything, eyes closed and up, just absorbing all of the energy. And it was really refreshing uh, because, you know, over this last year and a half or so, leaders have had to rethink everything about how they are leading themselves and others. 
So, you know, I try to be very intentional and open about learning new things. I love that because I think of lots of meditations where I've had, where the instruction has been kind of imagine, you know, the, or, you know, feel the ground that you're, you're on and imagine how you're connected to the earth, but actually going out and just standing with bare feet in, Mm -hmm. you know, in grass or wherever you can um, to really, really feel that. Uh, Yeah, that's interesting. What What other things have you tried out in this last year and a half of experimentation? Well, I, um, a night routine. So I had, and this was this was mostly actually recently. I had a um, a young woman on my podcast. Use your powers for good. Um, and she is she she dealt. She was a um a, a healer and a coach a healing coach. And so she talked about the importance of a um, night routine to to get sleep that would help to revive you and re-energize you and all. And, you know, and some of the things she said, I tried and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so good. And it was, they were simple things that, you know, you know to do, but you don't really understand the impact unless you're consistent with them. And so for me, you know, I took my shower at night and she suggested like take a nice hot shower and have the water just kind of run on your face. And that just like does something. She has all her terms for them. You can check the podcast, but <laughs> it does something to your body. And, you know, and it, it just kind of promotes some kind of sleep stuff for lack of a better term, because that's not my area. Um, and then, you know, doing things that are going to make your next day um, more productive. So for me, that meant getting my clothes out the night before. Now, for me, I couldn't understand why I had so much anxiety around this when I wasn't leaving the house, really. You know, Zoom calls, yes. But then I would do like recordings and stuff for some of my content. And so I had so much anxiety around like, what am I going to wear? And then, you know, I spend half the morning like finding something and then, you know, didn't want to iron, you know, so I I just really, so I, I, what I decided to do was like on Sundays, just if I needed to put the clothes out and if I needed to iron something, iron it then. And so then that's taken care of, checking that off my list as a something to do in the morning. So, you know, she has a, 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 she shows you how like on the, on the back of your feet, the different pressure points that help to relax you. And so, you know, I tried some of that and, you know, that seemed to, to, to spark some type of relaxation for me and using an eye mask um, to like block out the light. Now I'm married and my husband, he likes the TV on all night, all night. <laughs> and, you know, I, I grew up like that, but then I started somewhere along the way, you know, I didn't have to have the television on. So having the, the, um, the eye covers really helped me to just kind of get into my, get into sleep mode. And oh, one important thing that almost everybody probably has, um, well, if you have an iPhone, um, the turning it on that night um, mode 
where the um, screen goes into like more of a blue, we got dimmer mode um, because she talked about like getting yourself prepared for sleep and removing yourself from um, the, the light of the television, of your phone and all that, you know, the fluorescent lights above you um, and getting blue light glasses to help with that. I haven't purchased those yet, but that's one thing that I'm gonna try. So there are like so many ways to help yourself, help yourself. <laughs> but you know, a lot of times we just struggle with getting started. So I, you know, I've, I've gotten into a mindset where I just don't, I make it uncomplicated and I just take the best next step. The best next step. I love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's so much emphasis on, on creating a kind of a good morning routine, mm -hmm. but people forget about the, the night routine and how you kind of you know, you, you, you think about it with kids, right? Like yeah. what's their routine for getting them to bed so that they can get to sleep? Well, yeah. we're just grown up kids. So <laughs> you don't get routine too, right? So yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So what are, what are some of the common challenges that you see leaders facing uh, as you work with them? Um, one of the biggest one is dealing with people who are like bringing their personal problems to work and just don't know how to manage themselves personally in the workplace. And so they bring all their stresses in and then they, you know, that shows up in the work that they're doing, how they're interacting with people. And so helping people to manage that um, piece of, of their, um, their participation in the workforce workplace is one thing. And then also um, helping people to um, understand how to work collaboratively, like in groups without it feeling um, like a competition. And so, you know, one of the things that I did with um, uh, a client I had, where we were, after we got, did the survey process, we put together a task force that I facilitated, and it had, it had a, you know, various generations of people, diverse people in all respects, and so one of the things I, I laid out for them in the beginning is that I always say, we're going to, you know, let's, we're, we're going to jointly come up with our rules of engagement, and, you know, so we listed about five things, you know, about, you know, listening, um, respecting conversations, respecting differences in opinion, um, you know, agree to disagree, you know, so, you know, so we, we just, we, and it, it, we, we covered things um, that we agreed on together so that, you know, as we were moving forward, you know, the process didn't seem offensive or um, unfair or anything to any, any person in particular. And that, you know, we were all, we just all remember what our rules of engagement were that we agreed on and were able to have a very productive meeting um, and a very productive outcome. You know, we got through the recommend, the survey recommendations in like two sessions. Um, so the third session was just a tweak, you know, but we were able to substantially get the work done, you know, and everyone was really happy. And, you know, those are the kind of things that really make, make my, my um, 
my work feel very gratifying knowing that I've gotten people, um, diverse people able to work together for a common goal, to achieve a common goal. Yeah, those, those um, having a conversation about those rules of engagement and mm -hmm. how we're gonna work together and, and what, e what each of those things mean, like what does respect mean to you? You know, how does that show up? How do you demonstrate it? What, how am I gonna know? Or what, what kind of demonstrates to me that, mm -hmm. that, that you're respecting me or listening to me or um, you know, effectively communicating? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, th that, that work, it, you know, folks un infrequently take the time to do it and it feels mm -hmm. like, oh, it's a, a big conversation, but they can use that, yeah. you know, meeting after meeting, yeah. to work productively together. And it's, it's just so, so helpful. And, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. One of the one of the biggest benefits of that process that I just was some of the middle um, management leaders stepping up to like continue the pro continue in the process and bring in you know like because some of the work included the next steps included um, you know we we outlined the five. Um, um, goals that we were going to work on. And then the next step was like assigning resources to those um, at those um, recommendations. So, you know, we had people step up to say, all right, I'll take this one. And then I'll go talk to this department and explain to them what this work has been about and, um, you know, understand how, what the capacity is for completing um, the, the, the work and getting this goal completed. And so it was really awesome to see, you know, those leaders like just raising their hands. Like if there was no, no, it, you know, like sometimes you'll you'll say, well, who's gonna do this? And then you know, everybody like, steps back. Right, it's, it's quiet. <laughs> you hear pins dropping and all kinds of stuff. And but in this case, it was like, I'll take this one. I'll take that one. I'll take this one. So you know, I, you know, I was like, my work is done. My work is done. <laughs> There you go. I built leaders who built leaders. There you go. There you go. Yeah, and the other thing you talked about um, in terms of people kind of bringing their personal challenges into work, and I think that you know it's gotten even so more you know muddied with with so many people working from home and us literally yeah. you know being on video calls where you can see into people's homes and mm -hmm. obviously some people have. Uh, manage that by figuring out how to or having computers that can manage a virtual <laughs> virtual background or a blurring yes, thing yes, yes. Um, i've tried them but for some reason the 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 um whatever it is with my hair like i disappear like into the <laughs> so i can't use them so i'm like okay here i am this is this yeah. is what's behind me yeah yes. um but yeah i wonder uh what you've seen in the last you know almost two years now um for leaders that, that, that I feel like there's been a kind of a call to be more empathetic mm -hmm. with everything that people are dealing with. And at the same time, um, how, you know, helping people kind of set those boundaries. Yes. And, you know, all I is like this pandemic has caused us to have to rethink everything, everything, you know, we are just, you know, anything that you thought Anything that you thought about leadership, you know, post, I mean, pre-COVID, pre, um, you know, has gotten twisted and turned and changes like every day, you know, but the, the bottom line is that employers want 
to grow a workforce where employees don't leave and employees want to have a workplace where they can grow professionally and financially. So understanding that with sprinkled with some empathy around all of the challenges that people are, are experiencing, you know, I found that the best thing that leaders have been able to do in this environment is to just really exercise flexibility, responsible flexibility. Now, again, you know, there's that compassion and accountability piece where we are here for the business purpose, um, but understanding that, you know, your, your workforce and your, and your employees are people who are the engines of your organization. You know, if they all go away, you have no organization. So, you know, so, so leaders have had to really be more flexible and especially the work from home piece um, and, and understanding how that impacts the work and, you know, in, in wherever possible, making the environment, you know, flexible enough that a person could work from home or do a hybrid situation um, but just making things more flexible and understanding that with the um, uh, knowledge of knowing, you know, everyone on the same page about the work still has to get done. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. So you encourage everyone to put a little more kindness into the world. Um, what what inspires you to kind of put that front and center? And I'm I'm also curious what how you put more kindness into the world. Ah, the reverse. <laughs> so, you know, you know, so what inspired me to, to, to create the podcast, Use Your Powers for Good, um, that inspires leaders, managers, and supervisors to put more kindness into the world. Because through my experience, I saw how leaders built other leaders. And the, that could go, you know, you could be building positive leaders or negative leaders. And I, I had an experience back in, I don't know, when, like the late 80s, um, one of my first jobs out of college. And this, I worked at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and, this, and the manager, the, the director there, she said, um, you know, I am going to, I don't expect you to be in this job for more than three years. It was as, as a staff assistant. Uh, um, she said, I don't expect you to be here for more than three years. Um, and I was like, what kind of job is this? I can't say more than three years. You know, and, and back then that was a whole, you go to a place and you retire. So I'm like, what the heck? So, um, but what she said, after that was, I'm going to give you everything you need to be successful. So it's up to you to use the tools that I give you, the experiences that I give you, the, um, you know, the opportunities that I put in front of you to be successful. And she did. And she gave me, you know, she put me in front of people and, you know, I was what, 23, 24 years old, put me in front of people that I would never think that I would be in front of in situations, but she gave me the tools and, you know, she allowed me to go to different trainings and, you know, to, and, and to kind of hone how to interact with higher level people at the time I considered, because they were like chamber presidents from around the country. 
And so, you know, I never forgot that. And I never forgot that. And so that created a leader in myself that paid that forward to other leaders, to other people that I was, I was developing into leaders. And so I have always led with, uh, so this is how I put my kindness into the world. I always lead and um, whether it's in the workplace or in the personal, in personal life, I always lead in a way where, you know, someone is left with an impression that is so um, heartwarming or inspiring that they feel compelled um, and inspired to do kindness for someone else, be kind to someone else, or exhibit that kindness for someone else. And that really has like, that really, um, I saw that in my, my recent work when I was in City Hall, you know, creating the people that I were, were was directly, um, um, that I directly supervised, you know, they went on to become leaders who, you know, understood how to place empathy in their leadership without it feeling like they were like gonna be a pushover and all that. Because empathy, you know, when people hear that, they think, oh, you're just a soft manager. No, I was very clear that we are here for the business purpose, but I understand your situation. So let's, let's solve the problem together. And so that you can get, you know, a productive outcome, we can still get the work done, but then it left the person feeling, you know, I, I gained a lot, of, a lot of loyalty through leading in that way. And so people showed up for me and I, I will never forget that. And I want all leaders to have that feeling. So that's why I want to inspire leaders, managers, and supervisors to put more kindness in the world through their leadership. Yeah, and I love that story that you tell um, because... You know, it demonstrates a lot of different things. One, you know, she she knew the reality that this was an entry level job. That, you know, if if you were if she was doing things right, you weren't going to stay in because you were going to grow and learn and outgrow it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the trust that she also put in you um, in saying, you know, let let's have you go here and there and do these different things, um, and the fact that you're telling a story, you know, years later. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's pretty amazing. And then the ripple effects that you're talking about, it makes me makes me think of, um, is it is it the Maya Angelou quote of, you know, yes, my favorite quote. You, you, people I, I will forget what you say, <laughs> yes. and will remember how you made them feel. Yes. And yes. as a recovering know it all, I try mm-hmm. to remind myself that every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, you know, it, it's, I, I forgot that. That's one of the quotes that I always have in all of my coaching that, you know, people are going to, re, they may um, remember, they won't remember what you did, but they will remember how you made, how you them, made feel. them feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And that's it. Like, you know, that's exactly what happened from my experience in the 80s, you know? So, yep. yeah, for me to be still telling that story and still, feel the emotion around that. Right, right. And the way that she she trusted you. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. We'll be back after this quick break. Mission Impact is sponsored by Grace Social Sector Consulting. Grace Social Sector Consulting helps nonprofits and associations become more strategic and innovative for greater mission impact. Download free resources on strategic planning, program portfolio review, design thinking, and more 
at gracesocialsector.com slash resources. We're back on Mission Impact. Um, so one thing that I like to do at the end of my podcast is um, ask one random icebreaker question that I pull out of a box. So the uh-huh. one for you today is, in what way do you feel your childhood was happier than most people's? I didn't know we were poor. Mm. <laughs> I never, I never knew we were like living paycheck to paycheck until I went to high school and, and I went to, um, for those who are in the Baltimore area, Western High School, an all girls um, high school. And in your senior year, they're like, like, they have so many activities that go on, you know, everything requires, and they do everything that requires like a white gown or some outfit. And so I did not know that we, you know, did not have the resources to support all that until we, I got to that time in my life. And, you know, my, my parents, and they, my parents were awesome. They, you know, they were awesome. Uh, but they, 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 you know, said it in a compassionate way, but they were pretty much like, we don't have the money. And they said it in such a compassionate way that that just led me to go and get my first job in Roy Rogers and, um, you know, raise my own money to do all the stuff so that they wouldn't have the burden of doing that. And so, you know, I always um, um, remember that, I, you know, I'm like, I, I didn't know we were living paycheck to paycheck. I had everything I needed uh, and some of what I wanted. And I think the, it, did, it did help that I wasn't a very needy child. <laughs> so, so I had everything I needed, you know, some of what I wanted, you know, we ate, I was, I was, um, a the, the baby but my brother who was ne- up next in line um, to me up for me was 14 years older so they were like my brother's brother and sisters were like stair steps and then I came like 14 years later so there's another story behind that but we'll go into that one <laughs> but um so my I siblings know, I are like, pretty spread out too so yeah yeah, yeah. so I um I was like an only child you know because they were pretty much not paying me any attention because they were teenagers. And then out of the house by the time I really got to any um, like, you know, like elementary school. Um, So, uh, you know, we ate together, my parents and I, we ate dinner together. You know, I watched after school specials, um, you know, and I just didn't need for anything. And, you know, I felt safe and protected. So I, you know, I, I never knew we were poor until high school. All right. Well, thank you so much. So what are you excited about? What's coming up next for you? Oh, wow. So I am going to be um, um, rebranding my podcast to have, um, well, it, it's starting now. So anyone who wants to like come on the podcast, I'm starting to do, I was doing all audio. So now I'm doing visual because what I learned is like people love seeing other people, you know, and I get, I got so much, I get so much, you know, feedback and people engaging when they are, when they see me. So if anyone's interested in being a guest on the podcast, please reach out to me. Um, subscribe to my mailing list. All of this can be found on my website at www.leaderswhoconnectandinspire. 
And if you um, are looking for a speaker or a moderator, I've recently, I didn't know, you know how plans have plans? So who knew I was a, like a speaker or a moderator? I didn't. So um, I recently, my um, I, I got asked to be a speaker and moderator at the Maryland Association of Counties Con um, Winter Conference. And I loved it. I did, that was one of those things that I did not know I would love, but um, I had done another event prior to that and I, that got my, my feet wet. And um, now I'm just like, I, I love it. So, you know, those are some of the things that I want to just explore more of and especially in municipalities because, you know, those are the people that I understand most and that I feel like, you know, my experience can help inspire and, and lead to leaders building um, other and other better leaders. And so, um, so, so those are some of the things I, I have coming up. Um, but I, I really look forward to, you know, connecting hopefully with any, anyone who wants to, uh, oh, one other thing. So I've been um, working with folks who, or having conversations with folks who are um, working in DEIB, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging. And you know, those, are, those things are still evolving. And one of the things that has come up, um, especially as a person who um, had to build the infrastructure for the city's program, because the law was passed and then it had to be implemented, so I was one of the, I was the, the deputy that implemented it. And so one of the things that came up for me as I left that process and started looking at how others were approaching it is the using emotional intelligence in that process. Because if I had to do it over again, that's where I would have started with like getting people prepared for all of these um, uncomfortable, emotional, conversations and helping them to understand how to interact with that. So if anyone needs any, you know, if anyone is, is in that space and is having, think that is something that they would be interested in exploring, I'm kind of, I'm doing like a, um, so a information gathering, especially as what that means for municipal um, leaders. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for coming on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I appreciated Carolyn's comment about the next best step, or I might make a slight edit, to a good next step. You may not really know whether it's the best or not, but that approach pulls us out of trying to game out all the possibilities and pretend that we can predict the future. It keeps us in action. Just make one small choice about your next good step and it keeps you out of analysis paralysis. I also appreciated Carolyn's perspective on being a leader who builds leaders. Confident leaders want to invest in those around them and contribute to their growth, learning, and success. And they, that may mean that they leave your team. Wish them well and know that by investing in them, your support will continue to have a ripple effect as they contribute in their next role. It can be challenging in the short term as you have to fill a vacancy, but think of it as you're contributing to the long term and contributing, contributing to the wider movement. Your mission of your organization is part of a wider movement and you're investing in your teammates and what they go on to accomplish will likely contribute to that wider movement you care about.
So be generous. Thank you for listening to this episode. I really appreciate the time you spend with me and my guests. You can find out how to contact Carolyn, her full bio, the transcript of our conversation, as well as any links and resources mentioned during the show in the show notes at missionimpactpodcast.com slash show notes. I'd like to thank Isabel Strauss-Riggs for her support in editing and production, as well as April Custer of 100 Ninjas for her production support. And if you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you would share it with a colleague or a friend. We really appreciate you helping us get the word out. And the easiest way to do that is to share from the Podlink website. So that's pod.link slash mission impact. And when your colleague goes there, they can access the podcast on any of their preferred platforms. Thanks again for your support, and I look forward to talking to you soon.